good morning, everyone. Um, we have um, a handout this morning, and so if you didn't weren't able to get one of those, maybe lift your hand up, and Brother Brian, um, he has he can uh, bring one of those to you. And if you need a pen, we also have some pens back there. So I will give uh, Joe and Brian. I appreciate them doing that. A little bit of time to pass those out. And of course, um, we've got uh, I Love My Church Sunday going on today. And uh, if you're wondering what all of the lines on the on the ground are, uh, it's not. Um, this isn't. This actually has nothing to do with uh, this afternoon or the things we have planned. This was actually a uh, some of the rooms in our future church building, kind of mapping that out for the size. And so, I think one of them is the jail uh, or the nursery, and one is the kitchen and some of the other rooms. But if you have any questions on that, talk to uh, Brother Ackerman. He can. Uh, it's just kind of for spacing. That was going on I think yesterday and uh, left it up for us all to see well this morning um, actually uh, don't turn to first John chapter 3 let's turn first to second Corinthians chapter number 5 and hopefully we can get through this uh, introductory lesson uh, but going to begin a series and I'm very excited for this because already, um, as I've been studying it, boy, I'm just thankful for the Word of God and that it's truth and that we have the Word of God. That's one thing I'm just very thankful for this morning, and um, it is exciting. I think um, you're going to, hopefully, you're going to want to come to Sunday school over the course of the next uh, three months or so as we look and study uh, this topic of things that we're going to see in heaven. And um, to begin, let me ask a question, and I'm okay if people want to shout out the answer, but let me ask you this and think about this. What is going to happen when you die? When you die, what is going to happen? Go to heaven, all right? What are you going to see? Yeah? The Lord? Have you ever thought, what's that? Streets of gold? Yeah, this is, um, it's an interesting thing just to think about because the Bible does give us an answer. And actually, I wanted to start, we're going to look at this and hopefully we'll get through, uh, this morning's lesson is really introductory. We're going to dig a lot deeper on this subject. But, you know, the word heaven um, is we, we refer to heaven. You know, when people die we, they, and they're saved, of course, we're talking about believers, that they go to heaven. Um, someone mentioned uh, they'll see the Lord. And, and um, you know, the word heaven, we have to understand the Bible tells us that there are different heavens. We, uh, in fact, you can go back to the book of Genesis and in creation, uh, the Bible tells us that well, actually there are three heavens there is uh the first heaven which we are very familiar with that is the earth's atmosphere we're not going to get into the different uh levels but understand the first heaven is what we see we look up and we can see the heavens the clouds and 
things in our Earth's atmosphere. The Bible tells us that on the fourth day of creation, so the second day of creation, the Lord created our atmosphere, the Earth's atmosphere. On the fourth day of creation, that is when he divided, uh, the second uh, heaven was created. Uh, that is the outer space. And those are the stars, the planets, and of course man. And we have some understanding of the second heaven, but although I would say uh, there's a lot that we don't know about the second heaven. Then the third heaven, and this is talked about in the word of God, the third heaven, that's always existed. That's where God has dwelt. That's where he dwells. And that is it, uh, where God dwells. In fact, over in the book of um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I told you to to, uh, we're going to read in chapter 5 here, but if you wanted to look and read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul actually was given a glimpse of the third heaven. The third, the third heaven's always existed. It's where God dwells. And he wrote about it. And it's very interesting, the things that Paul said about the third heaven. This is the heaven I think most people refer to when a Christian dies, they go to heaven. Um, we don't go into the clouds. We're not a little, uh, you know, playing the harp on the clouds. That, I suppose, would be in the first heaven. We don't want to go there. We don't want to go into the second heaven. It's the third heaven where God dwells. And Paul actually wrote about this in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. And what he said was uh, he, what he saw and well, actually what he heard was just it was unspeakable, uh, unspeakable words that he says are not lawful to utter. So, it, you know, what God has in store, what being in the presence of God is, it's we have finite minds. We're very limited. And Paul said the human mind cannot even comprehend what it's like. And that is, he's referring to the third heaven, and uh, chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians talks about that. that. But I asked, you know, what's going to happen when uh, you, you die, if you die? Uh, of course, we know we're waiting for the rapture. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, as was already stated, the moment a believer closes their eyes in death, and they take their final breath, God calls them home, we are immediately in the presence of the Lord. And uh, let me read this, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 4, or excuse me, verse number 6. Paul writes, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse number eight, we are confident. This is where I was going. I'm so thankful that we can have confidence in these words that are written down here. The Bible is 100% true. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So when we are no longer in our bodies, the believer is in the presence of the Lord. And that's, what, that's really what the Bible says 
when a believer dies, they are in the presence of the Lord. And we're going to look at this further today and in the weeks to come. Things that, what that means, what does it mean to be in the presence of the Lord? Of course, uh, we as believers, we are also waiting for the rapture. Now, uh, if we are here on earth, when the rapture occurs, we're not going to have to experience the valley of the shadow of death. We won't experience death. We will be caught up. The word rapture means to be uh, uh, caught up. And the book of Revelation chapter 4, so we're going to look at this. Hopefully we have time this morning. John describes the setting there as John was raptured or caught up and immediately he is in the third heaven and uh, we're going to look and see what he saw he saw a throne setting and then the other um, and most of this lesson that we're going to be looking at this study is really um, you know when people talk about heaven and uh, in most believers they say well yeah when when we die, we go to heaven, and there's going to be the pearly gates, and there's going to be the uh, uh, the streets of gold, and uh, I'm going to have my own mansion. You know, really what that is talking about is the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem doesn't happen until after the millennial reign of Christ. And so after the thousand-year reign, that is when this old sinful world passes away and then god brings in a new heaven and a new earth it's called the the heavenly jerusalem the new jerusalem and in that city we're going to look at this one next week that's what we're talking about when there are streets of gold pearly gates and so um that is when time is no more time uh, will not exist in the new jerusalem and so um, those descriptions that we often refer to and we sing about in the streets of gold and the pearly gates, the mansions, these are all descriptions of the New Jerusalem, which is currently being prepared. And so um, let's, get, get, um, let's look at this, and there is quite a bit of scripture we're going to run through uh, to start with. And so... Um, Let's first talk about the present day. And Brother Ackerman, just move me forward, please. Um, presently, presently, where are we today? Uh, just, I think most of you know where you are today. You're in Corridor Baptist Church. But presently, uh, spiritually speaking, we are in the day of salvation. And so if you have your uh, handouts, there's a number of fill-ins. And so you can follow along as we go through this. And I'll read a lot of the scriptures to you, so don't feel like you need to turn there. But they're on your handout because I, you may want to circle back, uh, circle back and read those on your own. But we are in the day of salvation. Today, you have the opportunity to be saved. Not everyone will see heaven. Not everyone will see those streets of gold. Not everyone will be in the presence of the Lord when they die. Only those that are saved. And today we have that opportunity. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in, thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
Can I say this? If you don't know that you're saved today, guess what? Today is your day of salvation. You're not guaranteed this afternoon. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible's very clear. We are living in the day of salvation. It's also referred to as the gospel age. The gospel is the good news. Over in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And of course, that is going on today. That is our church's mission. Our goal as a church is to spread the gospel, to go and, um, and share the good news, the gospel with others, and then teach them. And well, after salvation, then comes baptism and the teaching. We are still in this time. That's why we're meeting today, is because we're living in the day of salvation. There is still time. We're living in the gospel age. In Matthew 24, 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. That's what we're living in. And then shall the end come. We're not at the end yet. There still is opportunity. This is the present day and age that we live in. But what is coming next? Well, the Bible describes it that it refers to as the fullness of the Gentiles. This is not, uh, this has not happened yet. Um, we're still in this this time. This is the next event, though, is when in our study of the book of Daniel. This should sound a little familiar to you. The times of the Gentiles. We just got done with that study, but over in Romans chapter number eleven and verse twenty-five, Paul again writes, "For I would not, brethren." that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And, you know, we, in our study of the book of Daniel, remember, blindness is... is um, is in place, by and large, for the Jewish people right now. They are still looking for their the Messiah to come, and Jesus has already come his first time. They're still looking for that, and they. Um, but it's the times of the Gentiles. The gospel has been given to you and I, and we are waiting for the return of Christ. That is what we are looking for. The return of Christ in Acts chapter 15 and verse 14. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this, I will return. There is so much scripture that we could go to this morning that talks about how Jesus said, I will return. He is going to return. And uh, this is what we are waiting for. This is the next event. Now, when is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is Jesus going to return? 
Uh, we don't know exactly when. There's a couple references on your handout. Matthew 24, 42 says, it just tells us this. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord co doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in which in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. So we're told to watch. We don't know when he's going to come. We just know he is going to come, but we're told to be ready. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 2, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that's talking about uh, the day of the Lord is his return. Um, it so cometh as a thief in the night. No one's going to see it coming. It's going to be, it is going to be a surprise. And so what is our part? If we are, if the next event is the return of Jesus Christ, what should we be doing? Well, just two things very quickly. We are number one, we are to be ready. We are to be ready. In Luke 12, 40, it says, Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Don't try to guess when Jesus is going to come. You don't know. We're just to be ready. Always. Over in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, and now, and now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we have, may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming there are many that will not be ready when jesus comes they're not abiding in him and um, one final scripture uh, in romans 13 verse 11 it says and that and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than we believed how many of you were saved more than 10 years ago, all right? Today, your salvation is nearer than it was when you first believed. If you were saved yesterday, you're a day closer to seeing the Lord. And so we are to be ready, but not only that, don't just sit there and be ready. Be busy, be serving him. And Matthew 24, verse 46, it says, Blessed or happy is that servant whom the Lord when he cometh, shall find so doing. Isn't it good? Isn't it a, a nice, happy um, feeling when you're caught doing something nice or something right? You know, when you, your kids are that way, when you catch them doing something nice or cleaning up when they're not told, I mean, it's a good feeling. How much more so if you're busy, if you're ready, serving the Lord, he catches you doing what you're supposed to do. Trust me, the Bible says it, blessed is the servant. And so we are to be busy serving him. And then also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, tells us we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. That's in the here and now. According to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad, verse 11, knowing this, <laughs> we all know that we're going to stand before Christ. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. And so 
We are to be busy. We're to be ready. Be ready and be busy for the rapture. I lost control, Brother Ackerman. Um, for the rapture. This is the event that we as Christians are, um, are looking forward to. We hope that we don't have to experience death because when Christ comes next, it's going to be for the Christians. He's going to uh, find, and so you can turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, or you can get busy filling in your handouts. I'll read this to you. But this is talking about this next event and what it's going to be like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 13. It says, But I would have you not be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. You understand those that are up in heaven, right, or uh, with in the presence of the Lord right now, they are going to come with Christ to the clouds. So, boy, won't that be some reunion? You know, we're going to meet the Lord, but we're going to see, and they're going to be with Christ um, when he comes. And so... Um, God, it says the Bible says Jesus or God will bring with with him those that have uh, fallen asleep. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now what a comforting passage of scripture here. The rapture, as we read this, the rapture, first of all, it only involves those that believe, those that are saved. And the Bible tells us that when no man knows the, the, the day or the hour, this is going to happen. Only God the Father knows. But there's going to come a point when God the Father tells his son, go get your children. And uh, those that are in the presence of the Lord, those that have fallen asleep, those that have passed on, they're going to come with Christ and uh, descend, and it says Christ is going to descend from heaven. There's going to be a shout. Michael, the archangel, is going to speak. He's going to call us up. The trump of God will also sound. And at that time, the glorified bodies of departed believers will rise. And so those that, are, that have died and, and passed on, they're going to receive glorified bodies. Those that are living, the living believers, those that are saved, hopefully that is us. If, if the rapture were to occur soon, it, it will be us if you're saved. We're going to be changed instantly and caught up, and we're going to meet Christ in the air. And we will be in the presence of the Lord forever. 
And here's the amazing thing. All of that is going to happen in a millisecond of time. It will happen so quickly. We're told to be ready. We're told to be busy. But what is it going to be like when the rapture happens? Understand uh, that passage in 1 Thessalonians tells us what's going to happen. And it's going to happen so quickly. Over in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, Paul writes, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. But we shall be at all changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Those that are alive and remain, they're going to be caught up and changed. And here's where, uh, where I want us to, to turn now over to the book of Revelation. Because the Apostle John was given a preview of what really the rapture will be like and what he saw. What is it that we are going to see when this happens? Now, and there's, there's a, a few things, but we... And we're going we're gonna to try to cover this um, here. But first of all, Revelation chapter number 4, and we'll spend the rest of our time here in chapter number 4. Verse number 1. Let me get there. It says this, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was it, or was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Notice verse 2, it says, And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So John says a door was opened, a voice like a trumpet spoke and said, come up hither. And immediately, what did he see? He saw heaven, for he saw the throne room of heaven. And so what will heaven be like just after the rapture? The Bible, notice this, the Bible doesn't say you see the pearly gates. That doesn't happen yet. That's the new Jerusalem. That's to come. What will heaven be like right after the rapture well what did john see so let's look at this this morning what did john see the first thing that we see what did john see and and what will we see what are you going to see first thing you'll see is a throne verse number two tells us that and immediately i was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven. And um, verse number two tells us that. There's five specific things we're going to just mention here this morning. And what was over this throne? Well, verse number three says, And and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardin stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. And so, as John is caught up, remember this is happening instantaneously 
the first thing he sees is this throne with a with a emerald rainbow over it and um he describes uh this throne a little bit more in verse number six the first part of verse number six he says and before the throne so we know what was above the throne this emerald or green colored rainbow and before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal so this crystal sea and and uh, verse number, we, we talked about the, the trumpet, um, but then out of the throne proceeded, verse number five, lightnings and thunders and voices. And uh, so we can see out of it, he, there's uh, lightnings, thunderings, and voices. And so the first thing that John saw, the first thing we're going to see is this throne. What an amazing thing to just think upon but the second thing we're going to see is god sitting on the throne god will be sitting on the throne and it says in, again in verse number two and um, he saw a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne and guess who that was? that was god god sat on the throne and you know right now we can't see god it's through faith that we see God. But really, God in his glory can only be described by likenesses. It's like, well, God is like this. There's no words that, at least that you and I, we can't comprehend it. God, I cannot sit here and say God is this. I can just say God is like this. There's a likeness. Um, it's, and what, how does the Bible describe God here, verse number three, um, it's, it tells us that, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardon stone. A jasper. Now, a jasper stone is, a, is really a glittering um, type of stone, a quartz, and it ranges in color from kind of a clear to a, a honey brown color, but also the sardon or sardis um, is a blood red stone now today it's not called sardon or sardis um, carnelian is what it's known by today and so this is how john could only describe <laughs> what he saw um, through these these stones and now these two stones um, Let's, let's turn back, if you will. Keep your place here in, in Revelation chapter number 4. But turn back to Exodus chapter 28 with me. Uh, real quickly, I just want to read a few verses here. The description or the likeness that John gave of, of God sitting on his throne was as Jasper and Sardon. And these were the two stones, and they were the first and the last to be set in the breastplate of the high priest. So back in Exodus chapter 28, in verse 15, we'll begin there. As instruction, as Moses is giving instruction on, on, um, on this, and, and God has told Moses, um, you know, of course there was the, the tabernacle and, 
it, it gets to the high priest and what the high priest wore down to the breastplate of the high priest. And it says this in verse uh, Exodus 28, verse 15. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twine, or twine, or fine twined linen. Thou shalt make it four square. It shall be, or being doubled, and a span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set it in a, uh, set in it settings of stones. Okay, so we're talking about the breastplate that the high priest was to wear, and it would be a span, so not you know not too big, but there's a setting of of twelve different stones, um, four rows, each row having three stones. And so um, let's pick up in verse number 17. And thou shalt set in it setting, uh, settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row, okay, notice the first row, the first stone, shall be a sardis, and then a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row, okay? The second row shall be an emerald, and a sapphire, and a diamond. And then the third and final row, a ligure and an agate and an amethyst. And the, oh, and the fourth row, or sorry, the fourth row being the final row, a barrel and an onyx. And what is the last stone described here or mentioned? It's a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings, and the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve, according to their names, like the engravings of the signet. Every one with his name shall be, or shall they be, according to the twelve tribes. And so the breastplate here had twelve stones. And the first stone is the jasper. The twelfth stone, or the last stone, is the sardin. The first and the last. Isn't that a description of God? The alpha and omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. The self-existent one. And so John's description was of a jasper and a sardin. These stones representative here, and then certainly, you know, it goes back to the picture that God was giving the nation of Israel, even the nation of Israel as the high priest wore that, that um, breastplate. And so we're going to see a throne. We're going to see, number two, God sitting on the throne. But the third thing that we're going to see when we get to heaven is we're going to see the saints. The saints, verse number 4, getting back to Revelation chapter number 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiments, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And so these twenty, we'll get into this a little bit more uh, in a in a future study so 
understand these uh, 24 elders, these represent the saved people. Twelve of them are the redeemed of Israel, the 12 tribes. And then there are the other 12 are the redeemed of, of this age, the apostles. And over in chapter number five of the book of Revelation, it tells us something about what these elders are are doing the saved this is the saved around the throne so understand this when a person when a saint dies we read the scripture in second corinthians they're immediately in the present to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord you want to know where our loved ones that have passed on before are today they're in the presence of the lord where is the lord he's on his throne in the third heaven. And what are they doing? Oh, they're not measuring out, you know, the size of their mansion. They don't have their mansions yet. Oh, they're not walking the streets of gold. That is to come in the new Jerusalem. They are around the throne in the presence. And flip over to chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, verse number 8. <clears throat> they are singing a song of redemption. And you know, when, when we get there, whether we, we, we pass away and uh, we fall asleep, I pray we don't fall asleep. I, <laughs> don't fall asleep. <laughs> um, I pray the rapture happens. We don't have to go through that. But regardless, understand this. What are you going to see? Well, you're going to see these things that John talks about. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be around the throne of God? And you're going to be singing this song of redemption over in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 8. John, again, he got a glimpse of, of this, and he says, And when he had taken the books, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And what did they do? They sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign over the earth. So that's what's going on around the throne room of God right now. The saved, those that are there, are part of these... Uh, they're represented by these 24 elders, but they are around the throne of God singing songs of redemption. Now it makes sense what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he got a glimpse of the third heaven. He said, I, there were things being uttered that I can't even describe. And so what an amazing sight. We, we don't have words to describe it, but Moving on, a couple other things real quickly. We are running out of time um, here. We're going to see the four beasts. Uh, this was mentioned, I believe. Um, I already read the, the verse, um, verse number six, getting back to chapter four. Round the throne, uh, the four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Verse number seven. The Bible tells us that the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had a face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. 
and um, and they were they were flying around. They had six wings. Verse number eight. They were full of eyes, and they rested day and night. And they were they were saying, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come." And they gave him honor and glory, and um, and so these um, and we don't have time uh, to turn to some scriptures here, but these descriptions uh, we of course know the Isaiah writes uh, he saw um, the throne room of God over in Isaiah chapter six, and so on your own time you can read that passage of scripture, but. One of the things Isaiah, the prophet, mentions that um, he saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and above it stood the seraphims. And then he describes these seraphims. Um, a couple years ago, we did a, a, a study on angels and seraphims. They have six wings. Two of them cover their face and uh, two, cover their, uh, two cover their feet. And, and so... These seraphims, uh, re- this, his, this, this description is, is just like Isaiah's. And then there are the cherubs. Uh, these are very similar to what Ezekiel saw over in the book of Ezekiel. The references are on your handout. They have four faces. And these are mentioned, um, these four faces. And the lion, the calf, or the ox, and uh, that of a man and an eagle, and... Um, the book of, or, you know, we've got four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And really, so often when we read the Gospels, don't we compare and contrast the two? Like, if we're reading about a miracle, for instance, oftentimes Matthew will write about the same miracle. And we'll, we'll go to the book of Luke and read the same description from a different vantage point, of course. It's... Maybe some different facts are given. But when you read the, the Gospels kind of on a standalone basis, uh, the book of Matthew really depicts or emphasizes Christ in a certain way while he was here on earth, different than that of Mark and Luke and John. Matthew is describing Christ as the king. He was prophesied throughout the Old Testament, and he came to earth to rule. Mark's description was that of a a servant or an ox, and uh, he submitted himself to the Father's will. Jesus did while he was here on earth. He was a servant. Luke, that of a man, or Christ, the Son of Man, the Savior of all mankind. And then John, the book of John describes Jesus Christ as the eternal Son of God, the great I Am, the living, perfect, divine Son of God. And so each of the Gospels, they all emphasize a different, um, or reveal a different portrait of Jesus. And um, so these cherubs, they had, uh, or these beasts, they had four faces, six wings. And here's what they were doing, incessant or nonstop praises to a holy God. And then that's the fourth thing we're going to see. What's that last one? And it was already mentioned. We're going to see Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse, um, well, verse number 6, 
John writes this. Uh, they were, they were, he says, in, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. And so we're going to see Jesus there. A lamb, as John says, as it has been slain. So what does Jesus look like? Well, he's going to look like a slain lamb uh, there in heaven. And so anyway, hopefully this is, this is just the introduction. This is just the introduction of what we're going to get into. Um, what is going to happen when you die? What are you going to see? What is, what is it going to be like? Well, I think this morning we just, the Bible does tell us a little bit of what it's going to be like. We can't understand it. You know, the, the Bible tells us everything we need to know. Um, there's more, the things, the wonderful things that are in store for us. Um, we, they're, perhaps they're not in the word of God because we don't have the ability to comprehend them. And we're going to expand on many of these things in future studies. But next week, uh, next week we are going to study the heavenly Jerusalem and look at that. And so I hope you come back next week for that study. But for now, let's go ahead and we're going to be dismissed and then prepare for the morning service. So you're dismissed.